if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Bank System Podcast 169. This is our 2021 US Open Research Podcast. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss the 121st United States Open Championship. Greetings, gentlemen. Morning, guys. Good morning. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in depth betting previews, masses of tournament stats, and our predictor models, all completely free of charge with no paywall. Please subscribe to the podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are available on social media. Paul is at golf betting. Barry's at a good talk golf. I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Bank System Facebook group. The link is available in the description. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Bank Show every week. I'm toying, toying with putting out a US Open research show over the weekend, so watch out for that. Uh, the actual Golf Betting Show with my tips will be out next Monday. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. In fact, I'll read them out at the start of the PGA Championship show, which will be next Tuesday. Leave your name and where you are in the review. Steve, you've lost some time there. It's the US Open show next Tuesday. Just to, oh, what did just, I say? Just to be neurotic. USPGA. Anyway, oh, right. moving swiftly on, people, let's go. <laughs> I remember that PGA. Some crazy old guy won it against uh, completely out of the blue. What, what performance that was. I mean, his performance on social media is arguably as good as that since, since then. <laughs> He's been great value, hasn't he? Yeah, he great really has. All, all this social media war between DeChambeau and Brooksy and whatever, it's almost as if they've got this fifty million pound is it fifty million dollar pot yeah, sitting there? Yeah. It's all rubbish, isn't it? Right, here we go. This is from one hundred and seventy on the fly, and I can safely report this is our first ever review from Luxembourg. So, liking it from Luxembourg, five stars. I've been following this pod for over a year. I don't listen for the tips alone. I find the information that you give only elevates my viewing enjoyment whilst watching the tournaments on television later in the week. Great work to all three of you. A thoroughly good listen. Thank you very much. And that's from 170 on the fly in Luxembourg. Thank you. Luxembourg, eh? As you say, that is a... uh... That's a new one, isn't it? Good distance control. Mm. We're big in the continent. <laughs> Very good. Thanks for that. Now, I've been desperately, and this is the USGA, This I can understand why golfers, the pros, get so upset with the USGA. You go back to Mike Davis's tennership and all this. They just make things so awkward. It's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. It's like yesterday, Paul, you and I, 
were desperately scratching around to try and find out who the alternates are for this tournament. There's no list. You have to pull it all together yourself, don't you? You do, yeah. And if, It's just, you, oh, my God. You know, you know if, if Rob Bolton hasn't um, collated the list, then you know it's extremely difficult to... Uh, to work it through because Rob is the absolute oracle and all of this kind of stuff. And uh, if he's not already uh, already got the details ready, then uh, you know it's going to be hard work trying to trying to work it all through. Thankfully, we know that Cole Hammer has been entered into the tournament. He's um, is it um, Miko Cajonan? Miko Cajonan, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. But then we've got this list of I think it's some fifteen players here that might be able to get in as an alternate, and who knows how the alternate ranking works. But anyway, there's players there like Jonas Blix, Ryan Brame, John Catlin just missed out on qualifying, Ben Martin, Rob Oppenheim, Alex Smalley. Uh, we've got old Brett Stegmaier, he used to be a, a couple of years on the PJ Tour, Zach Susha and Ben Taylor, and there's others in there. They're, they're alternates, so they might play, they might not. Who knows? This morning, I go onto the US Open website, and you just all you want to do, don't you? You just want to go on there, confirm what the yardage will be, what their what the yardage will be, what the par will be. Nah, none of that. You have to count it all up yourself. Anyway, I've counted it all up. Torrey Pines South Golf Course is the host, and many of you will remember this. Um, it's hosted the US Open in the past, the 2008 version, which was famously won by Tiger Woods. Who else? Uh, on virtually on one leg when he beat Rocco Mediate in a um, Monday 18-hole playoff. Those were the days. Mm. Um, of course, this course also hosts, every year on the PGA Tour in January, the Farmers Insurance Open. So we're very au fait with the golf course. I can confirm after wasting 10 minutes of my life adding up all of the yardages and whatever on the... Um, website the course will play this week as a 7,685 yard par 71 so for the farmers insurance they play this as a par 72 it has been extended as well they've added I wouldn't say they've added length this year it was last year and they actually played the farmers insurance this year if you see what I mean 2021 which Patrick Reed won with these new tee boxes in play. Mm. So they have added length to the course. Um, another Reese, the, the US Open doctor, Reese Jones, was let loose on the course to make it um, more acceptable for the USJA in terms of its toughness for this particular tournament. So 7685 at sea level, par 71. They've converted one of the par fives for the farmer's insurance into a long, long par four. Just 580 or something, is it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and typically USGA, typically there's a hole. I think it, it might be, it's the 15th hole. They're saying they might play it anywhere between 400 and some odd yards and 515 some odd yards. There's this kind of, oh, we'll, we'll turn it into some kind of... Um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be. Well, they do it. This, this is the point. The PJ Tour do it every week anyway. That it never plays to the full scorecard. But they're 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 now publicly saying, oh, this this hole, the fifteenth, we're gonna. It might be as short as four eighty, or it might be as long as five thirteen. It's all pretty academic, really. But th- those um, those are good when they mess with holes. I like when they mess with the tee boxes by a long way because it completely 
throws like a different unexpected challenge at the players yeah. except that they announce it way in advance and the players are going to practice it in the practice rounds it's like mm. they can't just hold a few could they not just hold a few things back and just like throw like curveballs at yeah. them it's exactly that's that's kind of what i'm saying i mean mm. they're, they're quoting it could be 30 yards different it's like why that doesn't um, doesn't sound doesn't really um, remotely extreme does it I, no, no, no. if you were Change telling me that yeah exactly if you were telling me they were going to change a hole from a par four to a par five and add 150 yards to it one day then that doesn't mm. materially change something but did oh, they do that at chambers bay one did, year yeah they flipped, <laughs> they flipped two holes that was that was a bit of a mad experiment let's not go down that route <laughs> that, keep keep you know we talk we, we talk about bermuda grass greens and poana greens and bent grass greens those greens were cabbage patch, cabbage patch greens that year weren't it <laughs> Cabbage Patch Greens at Chambers Bay. It was still entertaining. Yeah. Mm. I think they, they played a hell of a lot better than they looked though. Oh mate. If if you were if you went on the um if you went on the US Open because we know what we're gonna get this week, don't we? As soon as Kevin Nahr turns up, he'll be dropping balls in the deepest bit of rough he can find. <laughs> oh, this is unplayable, you can't play this, this is ridiculous. But that that Chambers Bay year, that, that I've never seen so many moans about a uh, US Open course as that one. And you you must think people like Jordan Spieth and Brooks Kepka they must turn up going that like ninety percent of the field are beaten before they even start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always Brooks' assertion, isn't it? That um, you know it, most of the players have already beaten themselves before they even get there, and uh, he's, he's just got a handful then that he needs to go. And play. Like, they haven't watered the greens. We, we 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 can't get the balls just to plug on the greens. <laughs> no, they might release. What? It's unplayable. It's unplayable. What do you what do you boys remember of Torrey Pine South then just you know from uh, from the Farmers Insurance Open? I mean for me long and straight really, very long holes, and it's pretty straight in the main. Not a lot of dog legs or anything. Yeah, yeah. we well, get this um, scenario with the farmers, don't you, where they're playing the north and the south. So you always get um, particularly well for the first two days, you get this. Um, issue where the two, uh, two two courses can produce wildly different scores. Yeah, we're not going to get that, are we? Because we're, we're just playing just the south course. But yeah, yeah, yep. long. Um, I remember the two thousand and eight uh, U.S. Open um, in particular because I was onwards back then, and uh, it was. I mean, if Rocco Media Media had won, that would have been one hell of a story, wouldn't it? But um, it's still a good story, yeah. though. Oh yeah, oh yeah. 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 I was on Rocco that week. It was quite. <laughs> And, and do you know what? I always, I'll never forget, like the inevitability of seeing Tiger with that, like, was about a fifteen, maybe yeah, eighteen yeah. footer, or fifteen footer, let's say, on the seventy-second yeah. um, hole. I just, I just knew it was going in. And even though it looked like an, a hand reached out of the hole and grabbed the ball in the right edge, it was just there was there was no way it wasn't it wasn't uh, going in. And uh, I knew I was dead. It was over then. Hundred to yeah. one. Bye bye. That's, yeah, I think you're right. You know, you, you look back and it was there, was, there was no person that you'd have wanted over a, a 15, 20 foot um, how, a, a putt more than Tiger Woods back then. He was just um, incredible, wasn't he? US Open to me, bearing in mind, this is a pretty typical US Open track, you know, yeah, almost 7,700 yards, par 71. The word that the agronomy, everyone knows Stephen is agronomy. Kikuya grass will be the word this this week, and Poana. Clearly, Poana greens, West Coast Poana greens, and Kikuya grass rough. Kikuya grass rough, 
that is gnarly, grabs, plays havoc with the club as it's passing through it. Kind of, it's almost like anti-Bryson DeChambeau. And I'm pretty certain he said at the um, US Open presser a few months ago that he Kikuyu grass is like a different beast. You know where it, the, the way that he destroyed winged foot last year by mm-hmm. hitting it as far as he could and hacking it out of the rough as accurately as he could. He said that's going to be far more difficult a task this year because this Kikuyu grass is is a different kind of animal when it comes to just grabbing your club and basically making approaches out of out of the rough very very difficult to control in any way shape or form. What a what a surprise! What a terrible thing to have to deal with trying to win a major. <laughs> what and try and keep it on the fairway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, actually, yeah. I mean, a penalty for being in the rough like. Perish the thought. <laughs> it's not very PGA Tour, is it? Um, oh dear. You do make me laugh, Baron. 2020, uh, the course played 72.53 in the Farmers Open. It was uh, it ranked 7th of 41 courses for difficulty. Um, I'm pretty certain if I have the 2021 number, which I will update on this uh, research preview, it would play tough. It played tougher as well because when Patrick Reed won, um, that was a pretty gnarly week in January, if I remember correctly. There was a there was a bit of wind in play. Um, it was a great tournament. There was a lot of big names that came to um, Torrey Pines to to check the course out. He won at fourteen under Patrick Reed in January. He was five shots clear of Tony Finau. Henrik Norlander, Ryan Palmer, who I was on, Xander, and Victor Hovland. And there were names like John Rahm up there, Will Zalatoris, Francesco Molinari. It was a decent field. Adam Scott, who collapsed in the final round. I was on him, clearly. Uh, Rory McIlroy was up there as well. So it was a really strong tournament this year. How much... It's an interesting debate here. Clearly, you look at 2008. We've only had one renewal here. Tiger Woods had already run around this course, I think it was five or six times, something like that. But he was playing off against Rocco Media, and also Lee Westwood was right up there in the mix. When you look at that leaderboard, there were a lot of players that had got very little or none at all. Torrey Pines' experience. In terms of this, there's going to be a, so much data this year because this course is played every year. There's going to be a lot of data, and we're going to produce a lot of it, Paul. You already have done. Strokes gain data for Torrey Pines, um, who plays best on the Torrey Pines South course, all this kind of information. Mm-hmm. Barry, how, when you're looking at the betting and you're looking at the players, does exper- is experience around here going to be an important factor to you or do you just think, well, actually, you know, if, 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 the, if, he, if this player fits in my mind to play this course well um, and he hasn't got that course experience or he hasn't got good results here, I don't care. Where, where, where do you stand on that? In terms of your strategy, this for the U.S. Open, as as much as it, as much as the course will play different, and you know it's a different time of year, and it's the U.S. Open, and I, I still think you ha- you can't ignore um, players like results and success around Tari Pines because if they don't get on with it well when it's let's say a bit t- you know tame or a bit tamer in um, in the early part of the year. It's it's hard to make the mental leap to think that they're going to play well when it's set up even tougher than it usually is. So, 
it's um I think I think there's gonna be I'll be more leaning towards um keeping players' performances on it in mind than completely ignoring them. So I'm not going to be too keen on somebody if they have like horrible results there. They've played it four times and they have three missed cuts. Um, because you only need to play one good round on the south course to make the cut in um, in the regular event because it's assumed you're going to go well in the north course, which is always yeah. quite easy. So, yeah, it's... Um, or especially, like say, if you see somebody has low low finishes in the fifties or the sixties, you know, you know, there's something just they they're just not quite getting on that well with the golf course. I mean, there are there are a number of big name players in this. Um, they're, uh, they're, I mean, I've, I've always questioned Bryson. It never Bryson barely ever plays here, so and I, clearly players have schedules. You know, some will go out to Saudi Arabia, take a lot of money and. This doesn't fit. People get invited to Abu Dhabi and whatever at that time of the year. So certain players don't play this because it doesn't fit in their schedules. But I often think if players don't play a tournament, probably they don't actually want to play the course half the time. And you look at DJ, clearly sprung back into life at the Palmetto Championship yesterday. We were recording this Friday morning over in the UK. Mm. You look at DJ. I, if you took, said to me, Torrey Pines, it's this length, it features Poana Greens. I... One of the first players, well, probably the first player that would jump to front of mind to play this course brilliantly would be Dustin Johnson. Yeah. He's got everything that you need. He's long. He's fairly straight when he's driving the ball well. Got a fantastic short game. And guess what? He's a two-time winner on Poana Greens at Pebble Beach. He's he's the best Poana putter on the PGA Tour by a mile. He's got the most PGA Tour win since 2008 on Poana Greens. But you look at his record here, it's not brilliant at all. 37th, 48th, 19th, missed cut, third in 2011. Great. And then you've got a 43rd, a 51st, a missed cut, an 18th, a missed cut. Just, just to counter that, I mean, I'm kind of okay with that because, and maybe there's, you know, I have to bear this in mind as well. January is kind of the tail end of the off season for a lot of these big names. You know, they take the time off over Christmas and, they're only kind of playing their way back into a bit of form and they maybe don't want to peak that early in the year with the Masters, you know, whatever, 10 weeks away at that stage. So there's, there's a, maybe a, a biorhythm uh, factor to be to be held in mind as well with performances that aren't quite optimal here. Mm, yeah, although DJ's come out and he's won at Kapalua in the past, isn't he, Steve? I'm, I'm sure from from memories. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> one thing we did say, one thing we did say is, he often gets back here after literally playing the Abu Dhabi tournament. Oh, yeah, Saudi, Saudi potentially. Yeah. Yes. So, so the, pri- the private hour. jet, yeah, the private jet's weighed down with um, with HSBC dollars, but um, it's probably not the best prep. No, you're doing an eleven, an 11 hour time shift as well, or something along those yeah. lines, and and you, you, that's you, from a Sunday to a Monday, and you're you're trying to flip your body clock and get ready for a Thursday. Oh, yeah, and you've had a week in Abu Dhabi in the desert with Bermuda grass and overseed, and then you mm-hmm. turn up with Poana and Kikuyu, and it's like fourteen degrees and foggy. You're going, yeah, you're going from like dry heat to maybe like you know to humid heat, mm-hmm. or, or no. not? Well, just humidity. It's not going to be as warm in uh, California at that time of year, so. So you can throw that into the mix, can't you? I'll throw you another name because um, one of the players that, again, falls into that same narrative um, is Scotty Scheffler. And um, Scheffler's played Torrey Pines twice. He's missed the cut twice. Best mm. price 50-1 to one right now. And I still think he'll be quite popular next week. 
Um, simply because he's you know he's stepped up a gear, isn't he? He's he's, he's a he's a better player than um, than he you know ever has been really. Showing showing that kind of form where you could potentially back him at a major. I mean, he's eighth at the PGA, third last time out at the Memorial, where he topped the um, topped the putting average stakes as well. Which uh, again, going through your pre preview, Steve, is one of the aspects that you pluck out on some of the uh, from some of the data. Um, fourth at TPC Boston, which is another one of the well, one of the comparable courses that you plucked out as well. So I think I think Scheffler will have his backers next week. But if you just look at his raw Torrey Pines record, um, you mm. put a line for him at fifty to one. He also hasn't won. So mm. well, yeah, yeah. It's, the list the list of guys whose first uh, tour win as a major is probably quite short. Mm. Yeah, it's what you're looking for, isn't it? I, I go with you, Barry. You, you've said this. You're often looking for an each way punt that mm. covers your week. If all you know, if it all goes to pot, someone that you just know is going to finish top nine, top ten to get those extended each way places return. Scheffler could be that kind of man, can he? Very long off the tee. He's a very straight driver for a long guy as well. If you look at total driving and strokes gained off the tee, the Scheffler's numbers are. Very, very strong. And a lot of that um, strokes gained off the tee is, is, is not just the, the length, it's, it's the sheer accuracy of his drives. Yeah. You know, where, where Bryson's strokes gained off the tee is all, you know, most of it's just brute horsepower, isn't it? Doesn't, doesn't tend to hit fairways. Um, Scheffler's kind of very long and very straight, kind of Torrey Plyant. That, that would make a lot of sense. Um, We'll, we'll talk about the US Opens and in terms of driving distance and whatever. But yes, just to, just to complete the agronomy in the course, Torrey Pine South features seven, seven, 450-plus yard par fours, whilst all, four, um, whilst all of the par fives are over 560 yards. The course features Poana Greens, the like of which are only found on the west coast and northeast of the United States, plus Canada. The course also features gnarly Kikuyu grass rough, the likes of which is only seen here and at Riviera Country Club, where they play, of course, the Genesis Invitational, plus Chapultepec, where they played the WGC Mexico Championship over recent years. Not this year, that was in uh, Florida, but go back 2020, 1980, I think 2017 might have been the first year, all played at Chapultepec. And actually, you look at some of the winners at Chapultepec, I mean, Dustin Johnson, (laughs) look at Dustin Johnson, he's a two-time winner at Chapultepec, he's also won at Riviera Country Club, and has three wins with Kikuyu Grass Gruff. Do you you think he fits? This is the Mm. point with uh, Dustin. Um, another Chipotle winner, of course, Patrick Reed. And guess where Patrick Reed won in January? Oh, here at Torrey Pines. So there's definite crossover: Riviera, Chipotle, Torrey Pines, and of course with the Poana Green aspect and the coastal aspect in California, you'd have to throw Pebble Beach into that as well. So yeah, there's 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 a lot of um, different angles to look at here. Um, the South Course Poana Greens are noto- notoriously difficult to putt on, so look for those who have done well here 
or at Pebble Riviera. Beth Page Black is another good course for Poana Green analysis. And recent US Opens hosted at Oakmont in 2016, Shinnecock Hills in 2018, and Winged Foot, of course, where Bryson DeChambeau won last September. So there's some angles for you guys to do some research around. There's, um, I'll put a link through to my research preview in the description box of this podcast, also on YouTube. Um, lots and lots of player quotes on there about Torrey Pine South as well, from the likes of Leishman, Rose, uh, Jason Day, Tiger Woods, all of whom are winners around here, and Patrick Reed. Now... I have some strokes gained trends to look at. Clearly, with the past five years of Farmers Insurance Open action, and I'll be honest with you, they don't actually tell you that much, which kind of tells you the course we're dealing with here. Different kinds of players have won the Farmers Insurance Open here over the last five years. Ram, Jason Day, Justin Rose, Mark Leishman, and Patrick Reed are those winners. Look at where they ranked. In that particular week for particular skill sets, and then average those through. Strokes gained off the tee, 20th. Strokes gained on approach, 21st. Strokes gained around the green, 27th. Strokes gained tee to green, 11th. And strokes gained putting, 21st. I've never seen a set of strokes gained data that are less meaningless than those. Because effectively, what you're saying is that <laughs> it all kind of averages through and any kind of I mean, you take a look at Patrick Reed in January. He was 39th for approach, 31st for off the tee. He, 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 his around the green game was like Seve. Strokes gained around the green first. Strokes gained tee to green 12th. Strokes gained putting 10th. And then you look at another winner uh, like John Rahm. He was strokes gained tee to green first, which was all off the tee and approach. And he putted just kind of average strokes gained putting 37. And that's the point. It's one of those classical courses, really, where any kind of player who's playing the best golf that week actually wins. One thing I will say is, Ram, Day, Rose, not short off the tee. Leishman, kind of average to slightly above average on length off the tee, but very crooked off the tee. Patrick Reed just seems to have eased off with the distance this year as part of his strategy, and he's a lot straighter off the tee these days, but can still bang it out there 320 if needed. Um, I don't sh- I'm not sure that the Leishman approach is going to work this week with the US Open with four-inch Kikuyu grass graph. I, I, I think you're going to have to need to hit it for at least further than he does and pretty a little bit straighter to actually get in the mix this week. What we're thinking, if if you're hitting, hitting it in the rough, in the, in the deep rough, um, you're going to be ch- chipping out sideways. You're not going to be able to. It's an all, as Barry often we says. We always say that, mate, but it doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't, I, doesn't tend to happen. Well, it's, yeah, got the, be, the, it's got to be half a shot penalty, isn't it? Yeah. The, the US Opens of, of old, you, you had no choice, did you? You're in the rough, you're, you're chopping out mm. and you're, you're wedging in from 100 yards and... That was one of your, your key stats you may look at in a, in a typical US Open was players who are, are capable of getting up and down from that kind of distance. And you look at someone like um, Patrick Reed, um, fantastic wedge game, um, fantastic short game, fantastic putter when his game's on. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's no, no surprise that he's won 
um, in a different fashion around Torrey Pines in the past, because as you've just described with his numbers there, and you look at his raw, um, you know, old-fashioned uh, stats for that week, and it, it tells the same story, something like 60% greens in regulation, but um, was leading the way around the greens and, uh, and, and in terms of putting, so... Yeah, there's different ways to skin this particular cat, isn't there? It's a uh, it's a bit of a bit of a puzzle. Does, does what a, kind of player? There's a decent bit of yardage built in between the three par fives, so all of a sudden that seven six is not quite a full seven six. And I wonder how, like, if the threshold for how far you need to hit it is just maybe a little bit lower. I guess it depends on how much run they have on the fairways. You know, um, I'm just I'm just wondering, you know, just to be able to adopt in a few more players into the the thought process about who could actually win this. Mm. I like the idea. I like the idea of the half shot penalty. I mean, if they can pull that off, that's like in the setup. Yeah, it'd be ideal, wouldn't it? It'd be amazing. But it's such a fine line to to tread to, in in setting up the course that way. I mean, the, for like from a viewing perspective, the ideal is that. You want it to be a really difficult shot out of it, but there is a chance to pull off a great shot and give yourself maybe a look at a birdie or a good chance at a par. But if you don't pull off a good shot, you're going to have that delayed penalty and probably suffer the one shot um, bogey, maybe even a double if you, or you get penalized extra by trying to pull off the great shot and then you're really in trouble, like short-sided or, mm. but it's such a hard, it's, it's, it has to be such a hard thing to get that balance just spot on in, in the setup and the rough length and the thickness of it and and, and the weather has to cooperate for, for that so um yeah the PGA Championship this year at Keir Island played the winning score Phil Mickelson's six under was actually less than um Rory McIlroy's wasn't it that when he won in 2012 but then McIlroy won by something crazy yeah, like lap the field didn't he yeah uh, my my gut feel is the USGA isn't as tough as it used to be. It's not as they, they they don't wear as tough tin hats as they used to, is it? I, I don't in any way, shape, or form think it's going to play nearly as tough as it did in two thousand and eight. Mm. And my memories of two thousand and eight were like greens that were like concrete. <laughs> you could barely keep the ball on them. Yeah. They was they they were as brown as my desk here in the office, and um, that's just not that. It's not tolerant. The, the, the player relationship, the players are so strong now, they just won't tolerate a golf course that's as extreme as that. Mm. So I don't... Was it was it level par or one over that Woods won out or something like that, got into the playoff? But I, you're going back, that, that was I the kind of target that. score, it, it, wasn't it? it yeah, yeah. That US Opens were typically coming in at that kind of level. Um, you know, but they're not anymore, are they? No, no, not no. now. No, no. As the, as Do you remember course. watching wing? I remember watching the first round at wing foot, and within the first hour, they people were throwing balls into those greens, and all we'd been talking about all week was all oh, the firm, and and they were spinning them back twenty five yards on the yeah, greens. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh my god. Yeah, Woods won. Uh, Woods and Mediat got into the playoff at one under par. Lee Westwood was level. Everyone else was over par that week in 2000. I just don't... It, the players, though, that relationship, the the, the, the balance between the all, tournament organisers and the player strength, it's it's gone so far now to the players. I just don't foresee that kind of winning total. It just... 
you can imagine the amount of vitriol on social media and all this kind of stuff going on. You feel shame. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that. I'd, I'd like to see a, a one two under being the winning score this week. And let what me, then? I mean, we're, we're all guessing this early in the morning over here on, on a Friday. What six under Deschambeau won out last year at Wingfoot, and be, to be fair, six under Matthew Wolf was second at level par. So maybe I'm talking out of school. See, Wing, Wingfoot was actually was really entertaining to watch, even though the greens were receptive. I mean, if they had a bit more spring in those greens, my God, it would have been quite. It would have been uh, probably a bit of bit car, uh, a bit of carnage. So I think the USGA have got a reasonably good balance over the last like eight ten years. You know, some years like Marion plays really tough. Everybody thought they were going to tear that apart. Uh, being so short, but mm. it ends up being one over. Olympic, not that long, of course, for the guys, one over again. You know, I, there's and there's years like Aaron Hills, it's just the wind didn't blow. So yeah, Brooks got to 16 under. I think they've kind of lost that like uh, that supreme... Really super, no, it wasn't. They've lost that supreme crazy. focus on par being the target. Um mm. And I don't mind if somebody wins it at six or eight under or one or two under or, you know, that's that that kind of doesn't, that has no real bearing on my enjoyment of the tournament. The the winning score, you know, being a, a little bit varied from, say, level par up to minus 10. If you start getting into the 12s, 13s, 14s under, it doesn't... Um, well, there's no differentiation at all, is there? No, no, no. And it kind of, I don't know, it loses... You think that a score like that would generally mean that the the tournament has lost that kind of identity that it's tried to kind of have, yeah. but not stick too rigidly to in the last while. Deschambeau was six, Wolf level, Louis two over, Harris English three over. So actually, and you look at the scores. You know, you got Justin Thomas thrown in a sixty-five on for Thursday. There was a, a list of sixty-sixes with Wolf and Reed in there. You know they click they and that's what these organisers have to do, don't they? They have to let the course have some level of um, attackability first round, mm. and then they're just trying to get that course to dry out as far as as controlled as they can for the weekend. I mean, you you know, six, there were sixty fives on the Thursday at Wingfoot, and by uh, by the Sunday, Deschambeau shot that unbelievable sixty seven. But listen to this: Wolf seventy five, Louis seventy three, English seventy three, Xander seventy four. Dustin Johnson shot seventy and vaulted up fifteen places to finish sixth. So by the end of that cup, by the end of that week, you know that was that was getting on for a proper U.S. Open course at Wingfoot because mm. they you know, they clearly let the moisture get out of the course. They're, and they're, they're usually quite smart with round one, like, and they probably have to be because as much thought and science as they can have behind the course setup, it's impossible to be like incredibly accurate in what the field average score is going to be for day one. Like you don't really see it happen until you see it happen. So they have to kind of err a little bit on the side of caution on round one, see what happens with the field, how the scoring is. And then you have a barometer, a baseline uh, off which to adjust for the remaining three days. So like it's, I think everybody likes the excitement of seeing guys get off to a good score on, on day one of the US Open. It, for me, I love it. You know, it's kind of like a little bit like the Masters. You see guys shoot out to like six or seven under day one. You're like, oh, this is great. 
Yeah, you're just you're just sitting again. Oh, all, all, all they've got to do is stay on that, and that's the winning score. All, <laughs> yeah, the, all yeah, they've yeah. got to do, simple. All they've got, to, and then they start shooting over par. Easier like, said than done. I can't believe he's shooting over par. <laughs> well, he's, he, he's going to because the course is getting more difficult. Tournament skill averages. Let's go back. Top five, last five winners. Torrey Pines. Again, it's just a mismatch, mix match. It's just like statistically, there's no sense to any of it. The only thing I will point out, and Paul kind of me- mentioned this earlier. Last five winners, Torrey Pines, Farmers Insurance Open, all putted well. And I'm talking the basic putts, putting average, putts per GIR. Ram, 10th. Uh, Day, 4th. Rose, 3rd. Mark Leishman, 4th. And this year, Patrick Reed was first for putts per GIR, 1.59. And people, oh, yeah, well, you're going to have to putt well to win a golf tournament. Well, when you look at these stats, they're... N- that's a very pronounced set of stats, which suggests to me, as someone that deals with this week in, week out, you've got to be a confident putter on Poana and a strong putter that particular week to get the job done. Is that the one stat out of all the strokes gained stats? Yeah, yeah. everything else is... It's all grey, Barry. It's all grey. You'd you'd weight it more heavily towards putting if you're building... But that that putting stat, it, it averages out. The last five winners... Of all it averages out that week they won were fourth in the field for putts per GIR. Mm. And so you, that's that's a pretty solid stat where the rest of it's all grey. Do you am, am I putting you on the spot here? But do you have any backup uh, background data for like let's say the top five or the top ten in each of the the last few renewals on how they put it? Not on me, not on me. I could I could look into it, but it, once you start going down that route, it again it's just going to become grey because you'll have you'll have one one guy in the top five that didn't part well and we chipped in four times easy. during yeah, the week yeah. and yeah, yeah yeah okay but just from a winner's perspective I thought that was interesting mm, very much so and I still think I still think that eventually this will boil down to someone that's won or has a string of very good results on West Coast Poana so when I'm talking West Coast Poana of course Riviera Pebble Beach or here. You could even throw something like TPC Harding Park where they played the PGA last year. And that's interesting, Paul, because Scotty yep. Scheffler was right in the mix last Absolutely, year. Absolutely, yeah. 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 yeah so I, as, you, know, you, you throw all the combinations together with Scheffler and then the one thing that's staring you in the face is two miscuts from two starts at, at Torrey Pines. And it'll be interesting, the narratives that are built around it, um, because he will be tipped next week. Um, people will back him, and to to do that, you do need to turn a blind eye to those performances. You do, and in this modern U.S. Open history, as we were just discussing, in a way, if you can just pick somebody that's going to take advantage on that Thursday and shoot that 66, 65, 67, get to the top of the leaderboard, and then just hang on for grim death as the course gets more difficult, I could see that being a Scottish Shefflin. Yeah. Uh, going back to your point on um, on Poana, I've mapped the what will form the Poana stats out of the predictor onto the um, onto the field. So just to give you an early clue as to the players that have finished best on Poana, going back to it's five years rolling. You do for this, Steve, isn't it? So um, uh, top will be Dustin Johnson, John Rahm. Oh, Patrick, yeah, yeah, surprise, surprise. Uh, Patrick Reed in third place, Rory yeah. McIlroy fourth, mm. Jordan Spieth fifth. Um, Spieth 
doesn't particularly like Paolo, but he still has produced some decent enough efforts on the uh, on the surface over the years. Winner at Pebble, yeah. yeah absolutely, yeah. Uh, Justin Rose, Gary Woodland, Brooks Kepka, <laughs> Paul Casey. The nemesis, that is Gary. <laughs> Paul Casey in nine, and lefty, our USPGA champion, is 10th on that list right now. So, yeah, there are players who um, who play or who are, have a better handle of playing on Poana Greens. And um, it'll be interesting to see how that correlates when we do the post-mortem of this in a week's time. But, but yes, um, clearly a factor to, uh, to build into your plethora of factors that are going to be part of the decision-making for next week. Correlating course form, last five winners at Torrey Pines, run through Reed. I mean... Kapalua for some reason, long coastal. Get that. Rams yeah. played. They've days played well there. Leishman's got a fourth. Reed's one there. Pebble Beach. Well, that's obvious. Bay Hill, Augusta National. Yeah, at the end of the day, these these are top players. They're gonna you know, they're gonna play well on all these courses. Colonial Muirfield Village, where they played last week. There's an Open Championship link in there. Days finished fourth at an open. Rose has finished second, fourth, and sixth. Leishman's finished second, fifth, sixth, and Reed is a tenth and a twelfth. So that might be an angle to to potentially look through. I mean, I know Tony Fee now, for example, clearly finished in the top three or four last time in twenty nineteen at that very windswept open that um, Lowry won and Fleetwood finished second at. Our friend Tony T4 in a major fee now. Um, you've also got Firestone South and TPC Boston's another interesting one as well. Mm. TPC Boston, of course, where Dustin Johnson almost lapped the field last year. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 there's so many players just jumping out. But there's, you know, you look at those courses, and that for me would throw some question marks at the likes of a Webb Simpson, for example. And I've always, I've in my mind, Webb Simpson for me is always an anti-Poana, especially West Coast Poana kind of player. Mm. There are players that just do not get on with it. And they're, they're quite easy to spot, which is good, because you know when we're looking at a, a field full of players and a very tight betting heat at the top, for me... I know that JT has won at Firestone on Poana Greens, but you actually look at what he's done when he's played on West Coast Poana, and you look at the state of his putting right now, and we're saying that you've got to be in the top five in putts per GIR this week, potentially, to win it. Not the bottom five. It's, it's a big, you know, and I'm looking at the odds right now, I'll take you through the odds, actually. William Hill have already gone nine places each way of 50 odds, um, which I think is fantastic value. Um, we have a bet 10, get £30 of free bets offer with William Hill if you want to grab some of these early prices. Um, place a qualifying £10 or €10 Euro if you're in the Republic of Ireland first bet. You'll receive two £15 or €15 Euro free bets. When you are um, signing up on the registration page, make sure that the promo code H, so Hotel30, H30, is within the promo code box when signing up for your £30 or €30 free bets. They are nine places each way, and it looks like they're going to be um, best price on the top 10 in the market. So, William Hill right now. John Rahm is the 11-1 favourite. Brooks Kepka is 14-1. to 1. 
Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, Bryson DeChambeau, all 16 to 1. 16 to 1 on DJ. Wow. I never thought we were going to get that. I'm not sure we're going to be getting that either on Monday if he wins this week at the Palmetto, um, which is looking quite likely. 18 to 1 Rory McElroy with Justin Thomas. 20 to 1 hometown boy Xander. And then Colin Morikara, 22 to 1. And Patrick Cantlay and Victor Hovland, both at 25 to 1. Uh, we then got Finau, 33s. Matsuama, 33s. And Patrick Reed, 33s. All the rest, 40 to 1 and more. Um, in fact, no, Will Zalatoris at 35s. So that, that's the market right now with William Hill. That is their genuine US Open market now open for business. Nine places each way, 50 odds. So yeah. well done, William Hill. To be fair, that's the first time I've ever seen William Hill lead the way. It's normally Paddy Powell. Yeah, so William yeah. Hill, William Hill got out first this year. First ones to blink this year, aren't they? Um, yep. I expect uh, typically the likes of Paddy tend to go around about, uh, actually, it tends to be around about nine o'clock on the Friday. So... Only yeah, an hour or so away from where we are now recording over in the UK. So be it might be to after they've just released, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So keep an eye on the markets, guys, because there, there will be extended places, a lot of extended places for the US Open this week. This is the time of the uh, week before that I need to just take a breath and not panic launch bets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot him. Oh, I forgot him. Going. yeah. <laughs> Here you go, West Coast Poana Experience. This again is from my preview, which I'll put a link through to. Another intriguing aspect to the last four winners of major championships held on Poana Base Greens in California is the fact that they'd all, to varying degrees, posted successful results on similar green types within the Western United States prior to their major triumph. Now, I won't go into Tiger Woods because he's just so obvious. I mean, he's to win everywhere. But 2010, Graham McDowell. At Pebble Beach. Prior to his 2010 US Open win at Pebble Beach, um, GMAC had finished eighth at the Pebble Beach Pro Am in 2005. So he had a top 10 on the Pebble Beach course, a year when he also finished sixth at the WGC American Express Championship behind Tiger. And in the early winter of 2009, Graham also finished second behind Jim Furyk at the Chevron Challenge hosted at Sherwood Country Club. That used to feature Poana Greens, and that that Amex Express Championship was played at TPC Harding Park. So there's there's a couple of courses. Jump to Gary Woodland, who Barry one of your most famous victories ever. It was a good week. He won at Pebble Beach U.S. Open 2019, taking his fourth PGA Tour title, won his first major championship into the bargain. Gary's triumph followed a very similar pattern with excellent Poana-based results across both California and in neighbouring Nevada. Montreux Country Club features Bent and Poana mixed greens, and Woodland won the Reno Tahoe Open in 2013, and was runner-up at the same course in 2016. He'd also finished ninth at the 2012 Fries.com Open, hosted at Cordival in California, but he'd finished 10th and 9th at Torrey Pines, He'd been runner-up to Rory McIlroy at the 2015 WGC Cadillac match play. Guess where that was played? TPC Harding Park. Plus, fifth at the 2017 Pebble Beach Pro-Am. So he had, again, a top-five finish on the course that he then won the US Open at. So that follows the same pattern as GMAC. 
That follows the same pattern, of course, obviously, of Tiger Woods. And then we go to Colin Morikawa. He won at Harding Park last year, the PGA Championship. Now, with Morikawa, he, he, he's pretty fresh. He, he'd gone to Berkeley in San Francisco, and that's why I picked him. Basically, this was a course he played masses of times. He'd only played in 27 PGA Tour events before winning the 2020 PGA Championship. That's mad. But in the in that time, he'd already taken the same titles, uh, taken the same title as Woodland when capturing the 2019 Barracuda Championship at Montreux in Nevada. So again, Ben Poana mixed greens. He'd won that. He'd been 10th at the Safeway Open at Silverado, which is played in California on Ben Power Mixed Greens. And he had just won the Workday Charity Open at Muirfield Village. And um, back in last year, those greens were a mix of Ben and Poana. They're now pure Ben, but back then they had that mix. So he had, if you looked at his record, he had one on Power Base Greens prior to winning the 2020 PGA Championship. Harding Park, again, I think it was like 80% power and 20% bent in the green. Yeah, yeah. But that, that, that I'm just saying, as a, as a road to selecting a potential winner, looking at players that have done well on Poana greens in, say, um, California, clearly, Nevada, out west, or even places like Jack's Tournament, before they, the new course renovation this year, it seems to be the angle to be heading down. It's just joining dots, isn't it? It really is. Joining dots in terms of that. So, yeah, I've, I've listed those uh, top tens of, of players also that have um, finished in the top ten in those four major championships that have been played in California, uh, the most recent. So, 2008 US Open, 2010 US Open, 2019 US Open, and the 2020 PGA Championship. There's a full list of top 10 finishers in my research preview. It's the same Branch Seneca isn't playing, isn't it? Always always hark back to Branch Seneca and Power. Yeah. But he, yeah. he's not in the field. He won't be playing. So, we, we won't be wasting any money on Branch Seneca. No, it saved you a few quid. He needed to add another 10 yards to his game probably as well. To... Yeah. Well, yeah. I, you, but it's, you you say that Rocco Media was sixty first yeah. for driving distance when he got in the playoff. So again, it's, it's kind of to, to place in these things. D- um, didn't he fairway wood himself into that though? Wasn't if that if I remember correctly, he just used a lot of long approach clubs and was just hitting. Oh him. yeah, he was, hitting, he was hitting tons of fairways. He was hitting fairways yeah. and greens. So yeah, he, he wasn't power. Yeah. But it does, beg, it does beg the question, doesn't it? And I did look into this. Driving distance, long and not particularly straight is how I've entitled this. US Opens are all about the length of rough. Every year from the Monday of the tournament, uh, we, we see videos on social media with balls disappearing into rough and never reappearing. In every player interview prior to the off, the mantra is, got to keep the ball in the fairway. That's all you ever read. It's continually repeated. The time-old discussion point prior to US Opens is how does the USGA's policy of four-inch rough actually affect the outcome of the tournament? 
Long and Straight Works is something I utter on our US Open Golf Betting System podcast every year, but is it actually true? So I had to look into it. Well, a perusal of the last six winners' season-long statistics is quite revealing. Jordan Spieth in 2015 was the shortest off the tee, although he ranked 43rd for driving distance all drives the season he won the US Open. But from 2016 onwards, it's clear that brute power off the tee is paramount. That was certainly the strategy for Bryson DeChambeau at Wingfoot last year, who with his immense power was hitting short irons and wedges from the rough as close to the green as possible. One word of caution though for Torrey Pines is that the south course features gnarly tough Kikuyu grass which may well turn the tables slightly towards those who are long and straight once again. So DeChambeau first for driving distance the year he won last year. Gary Woodland was 13th. Brooks Kepka was 8th. Brooks Kepka was 7th. 2016 Oakmont Dustin Johnson that year was 2nd for driving distance that season. So the last five winners, Gary Woodland was the shortest, 13th for driving distance and 17th in the driving distance all drives category. Now, I'm going to pass that over to you because I'm just going to bring up the driving distance all drives category on my computer and see who's actually sitting there right now. What do you think to that, lads? Yeah, I, I, logically it makes sense. And there's, there's a couple of other uh, points that you've brought out in that uh, piece as well about uh, players who topped the total driving uh, category on their previous start or at least um, had a strong total driving performance on their previous start. Um, we've got the Palmetto that's in progress at the moment, so we can't, you know, you, you can't preempt what those numbers will be. But if you look at players who on their Start uh, last start right now have um, have done well on that stat. You've got the likes of um, Xander Schauffele. Xander's going to be so popular this week. Um, mm-hmm. First for total driving, um, sixth for all round, which is another key indicator um, on his yeah. last start. Yeah. Um, first ball striking as well, and he's uh, his US Open record fantastic, isn't it? Fifth, sixth, yeah. third, Not. fifth. It's nuts, isn't it? Isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think he ranks only second behind Brooks Kepka, didn't he, on those stats he pulled together? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, second year in January as well. Um, he's, you know, whichever way you cut Xander this week, uh, there's no, there's no real downside to, uh, to to his argument. I don't think. Um, the other one uh, who topped total drive on his last start is Jason Kokrak. Um, with his win at Colonial, first for total driving, he was first for ball strike and first for all round that week yeah. as well. Um, and uh, three decent enough efforts on his last three starts at Torrey Pines, 20th, 21st, 29th. Um, I can see Kokrak being quite popular around about the kind of 80 to 100 to 1 price point ne- uh, next week. But yeah, both of those um, kind of fall into the, you know, a similar kind of argument to what you were saying just a second ago with the... Uh, the driving distance combined with a bit of accuracy as well. Barry, if you need to disappear, because I know that you've got some professional things. Got five minutes. We're good. We're good. You okay? Yeah. I'm just going to take you through the top 20 all drive distances this season. Yeah. Dylan Fratelli, 20. Carlos Ortiz. I'm just looking if Ortiz is playing. I think he, is he snuck in Ortiz? I'm looking at Rob Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ortiz is in. He's been playing well recently, Ortiz. 
And I think he's got a top 10 here, you know. Might be a decent each way. Long shot, Carlos Ortiz. Uh, Adam Scott's at 17. Wacky Neiman at 16. Just shows you how much length that lad's added recently. Uh, we've got Xander at 12. Uh, John Rahm at 10. Sergio at 8. Matthew Wolf at 7. DJ at 6. Kepka at 5. Cam Champ at 4. McElroy 2. And of course, Bryson leading the way in number one. So last five years, no one from outside the top 20 driving distance all drives has won the US Open. So there's, the problem, of course, is that that basically is telling you that all of the elite golfers, or virtually all of them at the top of the betting, have got a chance of winning, which doesn't really help, does it? <laughs> that, that really helps, uh, yeah. Uh, DeChambeau, Rory might win, uh, Brooks might win, Dustin might win, and uh, uh, yeah, John Rahm, yeah, and Xander. I've an early, well, I've an early, I've an early shout for a US Open special. Yeah, hundred. Thanks for that fantastic analysis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, do, it, it does throw up, I suppose, someone like um, Ortiz though, who is playing nicely at the moment. And Dylan Fratelli, you never know what he's going to do. do Fifth at the Masters last, uh, last oh, year. Oh, God, you're not backing Fratelli. Come on, Jesus. Oh, I'm not. No. Oh, I'm glad Paul Paul Casey isn't in there, so that's good. Oh, by the way, Victor Hovland, he's twenty first. Yeah. Just to uh, sneak that in. I, I have mm. I have I have I have the this year's Gary Woodland, I hope, I think. Fingers crossed. He uh You do? Yeah. Oh tell us off Mike. <laughs> no, this one's gone out. This one's gone out because I've already just backed him on Betfair and I'm gonna grab him when he goes out on the extended places. If I can get a hundred to one the extended places, I will be thrilled. West Coast, bit of an animal. Right. One on the you're, west. You're, you're intriguing me. One on the west coast earlier this year, on a classical okay. golf course. Oh, okay. The Genesis Invitational champion, Max Homa, played well at the Memorial last time with a T6. Likes the classical golf courses, and a lot of his little trends are going in the right direction. Approach play around the green, putting. Hundred to one, folks. Mm. See, I, I've got I've got this concrete block right in the middle of the forehead with Max Home because I put him up at the Wells Fargo when he was defending. He was five over through the first three holes, <laughs> and clearly I was turning the air blue. Um, so I need to take that away and think logically about the U.S. Open. And he does fit. He's got a top ten here, Homer, isn't he? I'm pretty certain he's got he's- a decent finish at Torrey Pines. He's um, he's in a kind of a, a pale shade of green on my um, analysis, yeah. Barry. But he has a, he has good pudding, good pudding. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Atari. Oh, and if you if you look at um, look at his last performance, twelfth for total driving, which gets him a tick in that box as well. Mm-hmm. Fourth for all round, which ticks that box. He's twenty second in the Atari strokes gained analysis. Yeah. On the overall. Yeah, yeah. Hundred to one, uh, folks. That's that's those are good things matching up together for me. So he's one of my bets. It's happening. Well, ninth and eighteenth, he's finished in the last couple of starts. Uh, and you look at you look at Homer. Clearly, he won at Quail Hollow. He 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 just he pops up on all of these classical hardcore American golf courses. Yeah. Sixth last time at Muirfield Village, being a perfect example. Sixth at Copperhead. That's a nasty course. Seventh at Pebble Beach in February. And that Riviera Country Club win, Barry. 
you sly old fox. And you are welcome. On that note... Now, how much are you going to pay me not to put him in my tips? <laughs> oh, Steve. Because uh, that is the KODs. We'll have, we'll have to work out a percentage. I mean, it's... I like the shout. I do. It's... If it fails, it's 100 to 1. So be it. Like, But I think it's, well, a, it's a tasty 100 to 1-er. I mean, who do you who do you put up at... I mean, I'm just looking at who he's compared with here. I mean, he's in the same price point as Bubba Watson. I mean, that's laughable. Mm-hmm. Bubba Watson at the US Open? Stop it. So Stop the, it the, re- the, the two recent missed cuts, like the, the PGA, like I, heard, I was listening to Bones on a podcast and saying that he started, like, he, he loves how he hits the ball and he was starting to find things, but just too late, missed the cut. So no big deal. And then comes out at Memorial and shoots, uh, finishes tied sixth. There we go, folks. That's that's my first bet for uh, for the US Open. And on that note, I do have to eject. I have work work stuff kicking off now in thirty seconds. So uh, we will uh, catch the listeners next week for the picks show. Thanks for your time, Barry. Cheers, Barry. Cheers, folks. Cheers. Yeah, it's a sly. He's a sly old fox, and he's not so old, is he, Barry? He's a sly sly fox. That's a that's a decent shout. It has to be yeah. said. Yeah, he's, he does catch the eye on a few of the stats, Homo, it's got to be said. Um, another one who um, you won't like um, when I mention his name, but he does feature in a lot of those stats, is Adam Scott. And again, yeah. if you go back to Memorial, Night for Total, oh, no, yeah. 15th for all round, um, his last win was Riviera. I just think he's mentally shot in majors, mate. I mean, I've, I've put him up so many times, he just ejects straight away. It's not even close. But yeah, he... He's got the perfect kind of game, has he? And like you said, he's won at Riviera. Yeah, yeah. So I put him up so. this year in January. I, 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 when you looked at all the trends for the Farmers Insurance, I thought he was going to win. I know Barry was on him. I think you might have been on him. And he was right in the mix on Sunday. Ejected. Yeah, yeah he, he, did, does, he does fit. He, do, he does fit. Second, he? Yeah, I, second back in 2019. Again, that was a year I backed him when he was. Uh, it was mm. silly long price that year, wasn't it? But yeah, game-wise, he fits, doesn't he? And um, he's got to come into the consideration, I think. He's certainly long enough. He's got a decent record at uh, TPC Boston as well, four top fives over the, over the years. Again, that kind of works well with your correlating course form. Our strokes gained analysis for the uh, for Torrey Pines South over the years um, has him topping it for strokes gained total. So... So yeah, Scott's going to be an interesting one. Um, should get a Have you got that on. page to hand, Paul? The uh, Torrey Pine Strokes game page. I, I, yes, I can uh, pull it up myself. Yeah, it's yeah. worth just. It's worth. It's worth highlighting to our listeners that why don't you take them through the top ten? So st- Strokes gained, Torrey Pines analysis. This is going back to twenty sixteen. Yeah, because you got uh, when 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 we started to get the uh, the full strokes gained analysis uh, coming through on the PGA Tour. Clearly, so, yeah. it will only be for the South Course because it's the host course at the Farmers mm-hmm. Open. So for, this doesn't include the North Course. Don't worry about that. This is pure South Coast strokes gained data that Paul is going to take you through the top ten of. Yeah, I, what I'll do. I, I, there's, a, there's a caveat with a couple of these players because a couple of them have only played one round, so mm-hmm. the numbers are going to stick out a little bit. But yeah, Adam Scott is uh, the top strokes gained total player um, over that period of time. Cameron Young has only played one round, second. Ches Reevy only played one round, he's in third. Then you get some more meaningful numbers out of it. Bubba Watson, fourth. Victor Hovland, fifth. Uh, Charles Schwartzel, sixth. Then Rory, Will Zalatoris. Uh, interesting to see if you put Will 
Paul Zalatoris up next week, Steve. He's uh, one of your one of your faves, isn't he? Um, Tony Finnell in nine, and he's played 18 rounds around here. So there's a lot of stats, a lot of data for Tony Finnell, and uh, that evens out in a very impressive number for Tony. Mm. Justin Rose is number 10. Uh, some other notables, Patrick Reed, 13, who's the guy who won, as you've mentioned a couple of times um, back in January. Max Homer, 22nd, as Barry just mentioned a second ago. So, yeah, pop over to the site. There's um, that full data for you to pour over. There's yeah. also some strokes gained for Reese Jones. Uh, no. tracks and Reese Jones um, renovations as well. So That is on my screen. I was going to take the listeners through that as well. So we've gone through all Reese Jones renovations or course designs going back to 2016. Because we just wanted to look who kind of plays best on Reese Jones designs because clearly this is a Reese Jones renovation. And again, there's some crazy numbers in there like it's actually topped strokes gained total by Cameron Young again. Now, Cameron Young, who I believe has finished first in two consecutive Corn Ferry tournaments. Is that right? Yeah, he did. He's a 200 to 1 shot this week. And I am, and year after year, you get youngsters that you've barely heard of getting into the mix or top 10ing, top 20ing here. Cameron Young is shouting from the top of the rooftops to have a have a very close look at this week. Mm. Yeah. Um I know he's only played one round at Torrey Pines, but he's all he's he's ranking second in your strokes gained Torrey Pines data. Yeah, I get he's only one round. And that also ranks him number one in the Reese Jones number. But yeah. he's worth a if you look at this Cameron Young, he's clearly a very prestigious talent. Right. Uh, two is Matt Wallace, but that's from eight rounds. Will Zalatoris is at three from four rounds. And Eric Van Ruen is fourth from five rounds. Then we get on to some chunky, meaningful players. Xander's at five, 42 rounds worth of data. Rory McIlroy, six, 47 rounds. JT is seven, 44 rounds. Adam Scott, eight, 40 rounds. John Rahm, ninth, 53 rounds. And someone that I wouldn't go with with anybody's money, Russell Henley, 34 rounds. He's in 10th place. Strokes gain total on Reese Jones designs going back to 2016. To just throw some other names in there, Hatton at 11, Brooks at 12, Sam Ryder for some reason at 13 from 16 rounds. So there you go. Victor Hovland, 14 from 8, and Stuart Sink, the old dog that's having a great season. 25 rounds, 15th strokes gained total on Reese Jones designs. There's a row, there's Rose, there's Woodland, there's Finau. There's also Henrik Stenson in the top 20. So all of this data completely free of charge available at Golf Betting System. Is it um are they gonna be available off the homepage, Paul, the, this these analysis yeah, stats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. E- well, even um, if we do it for the weekend, for example. Yeah, there's some some of it's on there already. So um but uh, yeah, if you read through Steve's preview the various links at various points to this data in, in the context of what whichever part you're reading. So so yeah, it'll, it'll be all be there, and um, we've still got a few bits to add to it as well. So um, so yeah, keep an eye on the 
content on the site because there's lots. And I think what this does, you know, particularly with the likes of Cameron Young, um, is it just gives you a name to dig into a little bit deeper because absolutely, the, you know, the, the the stat is you know the stats there because he's he's played one. It's round one round of golf. It's toy, meaningless. Toy, toy, toy by himself you, and play well, yeah. But then you link that to the fact that he's a prestigious talent. He's won twice on the Corn Ferry in the last month. Yeah. We know that crazy names do appear at the top of US Open leaderboards. Then you go, who's that? I mean, it was Will Zalatoris last year, wasn't it? Yeah, and it might be a it might be a top twenty bet. It might be a to make the cut bet. It might be a, yeah. a first round leader bet. You know, it, it's it's a stretch to suggest that he's going to go and win the uh, no. the U.S. Open. Um, but it's, it's certainly uh, someone that could feature at some point in that tournament. If you get yeah, the right exactly. bet, you get a, you get a good return from it. It's like that Carlos Ortiz stat for a driving distance. You know, he's sitting there one hundred and seventy five to one Carlos Ortiz. Yeah. Now that's a stretch, I'm sure, but. He's playing some. I mean, he was right in the mix at the um, memorial until the final round. Um, and I know, I'm pretty certain, I'm just quickly looking here, that he's got a decent finish at Torrey Pines. Uh, bear with me, I know this isn't great listening. 11th on his course debut in 2015. Mm. There's these nuggets there that you might be able to latch on to. There's plenty of angles, and that's when, when you've got a renewal like this, where you've got the um, regular PGA Tour event to kind of cross-reference as well. It does throw a, an awful lot of uh, uh, angles of attack for, for trying to decipher the winner. Hmm. I think that's about us, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's yeah. about the one. I'll just say one last thing, maybe. Bryson DeChambeau, 16th for strokes going off the tee the week before he um, won the US Open. Kepka was fifth. Kepka was second. Dustin Johnson was fourth. Jordan Spieth, even, fifth for strokes going off the tee, the outing before he won the US Open. That's a pretty strong trend right there. We need someone, and it does make a level of sense, doesn't it? We need someone that's driving the ball very, very strongly from a strokes gain perspective. Uh, the the outing before they go and win the U.S. Open, the yeah. one that the one that kind of wheezes on the strawberry slightly in that trend is one Gary Woodland, because Gary Woodland was sixty sixth for strokes gain off the tee at Memorial before he went to Pebble Beach and won the US Open. But then you look at Gary's record, he'd finished eighth the outing before that at the PGA Championship, played that year at Beth Page, and he was seventh for strokes gained off the tee that particular week. So again, I'll be looking very closely. If I'm seeing good players that on their last outing drove the ball horrendously, I won't be going anywhere near them. Yeah. Unless it's a kind of each way pun, and you think, well, that's you know, because we're yeah. we, we're talking here winners all the time. We're not talking each way place fillers. But yes, there's a definite narrative there. You know, you're looking effectively going back to Jordan Spieth, someone the the worst in the field was 16th for strokes going off the tee mm. on their outing or pre or the outing prior to that off the. So that's quite a good way of excluding players potentially yeah uh, and it, it makes sense doesn't it you, you don't want to be losing 
strokes off the tee when you're going to a test where um, there's going to be um, a penalty of some description for, for for missing fairways, or at least there should be a penalty of some description. For I had fairways. I had to do it, Paul. Max Homer, last appearance, sixteenth for strokes gained off the tee at there the Memorial. Go. So he just sneaks in. Yeah, it's just oh, snuck into that stat. Barry, he's he's a boy, isn't he? Right then, enjoyed your time this morning, Paul. It's been yeah, most enjoyable, yeah. if not a little early. Yes, a weekend of analysis to come up, and we'll uh, we'll see where that takes us all for for Monday's uh, absolutely final output. Thanks for your time. Thank you to Barry's, and uh, thank you for each and every one of you who's listened to this podcast, the Golf Betting System podcast. We are available every week across the PGA Tour, European Tour, and the majors. Um, and it would be great if you would give us a five-star review. Um, I will read them out before next Tuesday's PGA Championship tips show. Uh, leave your name and where you are in the um, in the review, and I will re- re- read them out. Also, if you could um, clearly subscribe to the podcast, and we would love your company again next week. Um, I wish you all the best in terms of your research, and we'll speak to you again next week. Goodbye. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system